Hi, dear listener. Welcome to the Young Changemakers podcast, an initiative from Global Changemakers. Your co-hosts Sophie, George, and William are very happy to have you join us today. Over this first season, we'll show you the incredible impact of youth and hopefully inspire you to take action too. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you're ready, let's go. Hi there, and welcome to the sixth episode of the Young Changemakers podcast series. I'm super excited to be able to share this episode with you. Um, I'm your co-host, George Chapman. And before beginning the episode, I'd just like to introduce you to um, my guest today, Vale Perez. Um, she is a 21-year-old from El Salvador in Central America. And since at the age of 14, she has been involved in youth educational programs about human rights. Um, Vale and a group of young El Salvadorans created the project Generational Succession in Human Rights Education. Um, their object- objective was that they were able to get young people to be in charge of teaching other young people about human rights and historical memory. And in 2017, they had a big achievement. They won the Oscar Nofelo Romero Ibero American Prize for Human Rights Education. And in the future, um, Vale is passionate and determined that she wants to create a Salvadoran National Human Rights Defenders Network to continue to keep weaving El Salvador's memory for young people to take the lead in building a more just and equitable country. So without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Okay. Hi, Valeria. Um, Hi. How are you? Um, so welcome to the, my second episode of the Young Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on this, this show and um, have a chat to you about I mean, get to know, first of all, get to know you a bit more. I mean, we met back in, when was that? In July. Um, yeah. For our listeners all, we met at the um, Global Youth Summit in Switzerland. Um, brought together 60 young changemakers from all over the, all over the globe, pretty much. And um, I was fortunate enough to meet um, Vale there. Um, so, Vale, I'd just like to, um, first of all, could you tell us a bit more about your upbringing in um, El Salvador and what okay. got you involved in, in the area of human rights education and in particular youth empowerment? And, then, um, and, in, and why does this, this area of work mean so much to you? Uh, well, thank you for having me, George. Uh, I'm really excited uh, to share uh, a little bit about what we do in El Salvador. So uh, the project I'm in, it's called Generational Successions in Human Rights Education. And this project was born in a museum called Museum of the Word and Image in El Salvador, uh, which tries to recover the lost documents and memory of the past and history of El Salvador. So when I was between 14 and 15 years old, I went to my first human rights workshops uh, at the museum. And, uh, you know, it was totally life changing for me. Like, it made me realize what was going on around the world and kind of took me out of my bubble and made me kind of 
interact with more young people that were already engaged in activism and youth empowerment uh, activities. And these workshops took me to other opportunities, you know, to, for youth empowerment, to know about the history of El Salvador, uh, to know about what I wanted to do with my life, uh, mm. in, you know, in the situation of like El Salvador, uh, which I'm going to talk a little bit later. Um, so after that, after this process of kind of getting merged in the world of human rights and the role that young people have in countries such as El Salvador and Latin America in general. Uh, with a group of friends, we decided that it was the moment to make our own workshops about mm -hmm. human rights. And the museum was very, very open and they allowed us to, you know, try to brainstorm whatever ideas we wanted to talk about in human rights education. And because of the, 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 the story behind uh, the museum that you know it was open after the end of the civil war that lasted 12 years from the like 79 80s to the 90 to 1992 when they uh when they signed peace treaties mm -hmm. so the museum evolved in this kind of post-war uh situation where you know all these documents all this you know uh, histories about the atrocities that were committed during the civil war needed these spaces uh, for people to know and to gather all this information. Uh, so because of all the documentation and all like the tools that the museum will offer, we try to merge the historical memory <clears throat> uh, with the with the approach of you know the general human rights education that we to teach on our workshops. And the good thing about the workshop is that the participants that go to uh, these processes are able to take the tools that we offer and bring them back to their own communities. So this can start like spreading out and go from one, you know, from one youth to another. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like the beautiful thing about this is that uh, young people are the ones in charge to share these stories and share these tools with other young people. Okay. Now, I mean, after I've done a bit of reading on the history and the context of El Salvador, I mean, a 12 year civil war um, isn't easy for any s country to bounce back from. Um, let's backtrack a bit, um, Vale. And so sort of you got involved in, in human, this human rights and um, sort of historical memory, um, education and youth empowerment type of work at the age of what you said 14 or 15 now that's quite young to be to begin learning yeah. about such in-depth and complex um history of your own country um so what was your upbringing like in el salvador um just because i'm be interested to know how, how the context you grew up in and what got you okay. engaged in in and, and to build that sort of awareness at such a young age Oh, yeah, sure. Um, so I was born in 1998. So that was like six years after the Civil War ended. Yeah. And I was born in a context of an amnesty law. Uh, because after the Civil War ended, uh, a year after the Civil War ended, they uh, created an amnesty law between the guerrillas and 
the government, the militaries, uh, where, you know, they forced us in some way to ignore all the human rights violations that were committed uh, during the civil war. So there was no justice and no laws that granted reparation to the victims that, uh, you know, suffered these types of violations that at the end they were the victims of, of everything that happened during the civil war. So I think it was a mixture between my family also, because my mom always taught me about the importance of knowing all the sides of the stories and most of in my country. So I always uh, kind of was involved in this spectrum of the importance of you know, acting for justice and listening to the people that were eager to find this justice mm. and not vengeance, you know, that's important, just like justice. And uh, also uh, in my school, one of my best friends, uh, his father uh, is the director of the museum okay. uh, that the, the project, uh, you know, is connected yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, so he was the one that invited me to the to the, my first workshops so you know i was i was really a kid but uh i was able to grasp this sense of what was happening and how in school they didn't teach us what my mom was teaching me and in school they didn't teach us what i was learning in the museum so i understood that there was this gap of knowledge and that the narratives that we were reading in our in our history books, in our social study books about a, something that happened out of nowhere, something that happened because years of, of, of oppression to, to indigenous people, to peasants, to, to lower classes, uh, from the upper you know, social status, the yes, oligarchies, yeah. and, and also the, the intervention of the US government. Uh, so, I think it was just like all this mixture that came together uh, in my first workshops. And okay. yeah, so. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a great answer. I mean, so in these workshops, um, I mean, you're, you're targeting youth as well. Yeah. Um, is that due to that you've noticed like within El Salvador, there's a bit of a marginalization and stigmatization against youth? Um, yes. In El Salvador, could you maybe elaborate a bit more on that, and and why is that su such a thing? Okay, that this is like a really complex. Because <laughs> this is like your, your whole work and your whole <laughs> yeah. sort of purpose is to empower youth. Um, but, oh yeah. But I'd like to understand a bit more about why um, they're being I... sort of not treated so well in society. Okay. Okay. So. Uh... Maybe we can divide like the answer between two sections. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so first it will be like we are the post-war generations. Mm. So we are the ones mostly forced to forget our memory. So if this commitment listen to the, the narratives of the victims of the civil war, uh it's not within us, like within the youth, yeah. in any other institution or in any other space. Yeah. So I think that's why it's important, uh, the work of the museum itself and also the work that the museum allows youth to, to perform.
and you know to connect and to form this network and i think that also like these spaces uh allows to society to see how youth have like more to offer uh in 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 in, in, in themes about reparation in things in themes about citizenship in themes about uh you know this this power that the youth have not just like going on instead it's just we are capable to enact change and we're capable to eliminate uh these structures this patriarchal structure and and that at the end kind of leads us to the stigmatization that in general youth suffer and in el salvador and in latin america in general uh, for example, you know, there are certain sectors in El Salvador where youth are more stigmatized than others. Uh, you can either mention, you know, society in general, you can either mention from police corps, or you can either mention like from the um, So there are a lot of sectors where you can see how the government in general works in a way that leaves in a marginalized sector, you know, from from education, from health policies, uh, but you know, right now we are kind of concentrating more on the education area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, there must be a whole lot of underlying reasons um, contributing to sort of youth. I mean, I just from a bit of reading on El Salvador, there's a lot of um, youth in, engaged in gang violence. Um, that could be unemployment for youth or yeah, um, yeah uh, un unfair upbringing. There's a whole lot of factors that come into play there, not just the historical context. But yeah, definitely the work that you're doing. I mean, lots of societies um, globally who have been um, impacted, impaired by, by civil war or they've always, I think, struggled to bring that back into the conversation and improve the social fabric, so to speak, um, does require a bit of reflection and then understanding and taking lessons away from what had happened. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sure. And that kind of takes us to the methodology that we do in our workshops, because uh, we use the past, present, future methodologies. Mm -hmm. uh, so for example, in the last workshop, we gave uh we kind of took two important social problematics that were the forced evictions of a community called el espino and also the 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 initiatives to privatize water so in these two problematics we tried to understand what was like the root of each problematic and we kind of like took back uh and we went back in time to understand what was the source of this? And at the time that we go back, we understand that it's not just like something that comes out of nowhere, uh, but instead are like, you know, like how you mentioned, a lot of factors contributing um, to the problematics that we are facing right now. Hi there. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. We just wanted to let you know that we are on social media at we are GCM, and don't hesitate to follow us. And if you'd like to support us further, we also have a Patreon page. Type in Global Changemakers and decide which tier is best for you. Thank you. And now, on with the rest of the episode.
Um, Val, just moving on a bit, um, I want to ask her a question. How, just how important is it that Salvadorian youth enhance their leadership skills and begin to or continue to improve um, this broken social fabric we've been talking about in El Salvador? Okay. Um, I think more than leadership is community work, mm. is teamwork. Uh, and I think these spaces are the ones in charge to make this possible. Because uh, when you feel that you're supported by other young people that kind of feel the same like this like this sad and depression of yeah, all the atrocities yeah you know negative. committed like yeah it's it's insane and right now if you see like what is happening all over latin america you see like this empowerment of youth but it's not individual it's just like this community empowerment that are trying to mm. bring back all the the struggles that were uh, kind of like all this fightings against the government, all these fightings against uh, the injustices that were committed. And I think that's how in some way we seek this leadership because uh, mm. it's a community work. And, um, and also- Yeah, yeah I think like, because, yeah, I agree me. with you there because ask this question to, I mean, I kind of myself spent a lot of time in Kenya and uh, you know, the, the, the conversation inevitably, inevitably comes up. What's the issues that this country and other developing countries are facing. And it always comes down to the lack of leadership. Um, given that a lot of leaders around the world, are, you know, doing all sorts of things, bit of corruption here and there. But I think yeah. when you talk about the, the power of youth, it's, that collaboration. I mean, we look at the global climate strikes that we're seeing. That's exactly. It's massive, and yeah, there's definitely a new wave of um, excitement in youth. Um, we definitely still learn a lot from our parents, like you mentioned earlier. But um, yeah, there's um, it's definitely something I'm seeing, especially with people I've talked to, like yourself. So I'm going to move on to um, like. I'm going to ask you for a bit bit of advice, maybe if you can <laughs> give us some pointers and the listeners, like what would you suggest for other young people keen to create positive social change in their communities? Um, how do you think they could get involved? Um, whether that be activism, social justice issues, what do you think are like the first steps one can take? I think the first one is don't be afraid of history. Don't be afraid of all the narratives around you and don't be afraid to face the reality that we're kind of, you know, struggling with right now. You know, because like I mentioned before, like the workshops took me out of my bubble. Mm. So try not to stick into your bubble. Try to, you know, pop up the bubble <laughs> and be open to to talk with people, to understand how can you, how can your life be effective to help these people, to help yourself and to help the world in general and understand that, you know, this, what we talk about, the community, uh, the community support is about 
it's not about just what we're suffering today, what we're facing two years and years and years ago. Mm. And that's the problem because we, we weren't uh, able to target these problems that were happening in the past. Now everything is just like getting out of control now in some way. Mm. Um, so I think those two, like, don't be afraid of the past. Don't be afraid of problems that our grandparents that your, our grandmothers faced, that their ancestors faced in order to build this community between us and kind of weave this memory. That's what the museum said, like mm. weave this memory between us in order to enact a real change. Yeah, no, that's an excellent answer. Um, no, I think when you mentioned sort of don't be fearful, I mean, yeah, there's a sort of bubble that you have to burst, isn't it? You started this when you're only this sort of work when you're only 14 or 15, as I mentioned. I mean, and it just takes experience. Um, yeah. Like or, I'm new to or, doing or a podcast. Be... I mean, <laughs> I've <laughs> done some complete <laughs> blunders in our conversation today, but it's fine. Like, yeah, just it's through experience and you make mistakes, you pick yourself up again and onto the next one, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, um, it's just like embrace fear. Just take it and take it with deal with it because it's powerful fear is also powerful fear fear also joins people together mm. and it sounds cliche but it's so true i think if like what's the worst thing that's going to happen i mean if you make a mistake or you stand up and give a speech that you think you've sort of blundered um i, I can guarantee you if you're listening and you, you're keen to get involved in a project or there being something that you've you, you want to volunteer or but you've been putting it off for various reasons i guarantee you you'll be you'll feel a lot better if you step out of your comfort zone than if you hadn't i think everyone who i met in switzerland at the the summit would agree with that um yeah, yeah. um and yeah i mean i think also a really important thing here is not to be selfish in a way that when we try to get involved in activism and uh, this kind of area <laughs> of our lives is just for the people in the future, you know, to also have a place in this world. Mm. And I think there's no more choice, you know, there's just like, no more choice if, if we want to save the world if we want to save our environment if we want to save our ancestors or histories or memories or cultures or identities i think there's no more choice we need to act we need we need to do something you know yeah <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> yeah so um val you're you're now in um vancouver yeah yeah what what, do you, what are you studying there Oh, so uh, right now I'm just in a faculty of arts. I just started um, university about four months ago. Yeah. Uh, and I'm in my first year and I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do yeah. with my academic life. Uh, but because it's just kind of leading on to my next question and oh, okay. <laughs> potentially my last yeah. one. Like, obviously, you've already created a, a lot of change in your in El Salvador in your communities particularly for youth and you're only 21 years of age yourself there's a big question but do you have any big visions or hopes dreams that you want to do with yourself in the future um, 
and I guess I'm asking like, yeah, you mentioned that you've just started a course in Vancouver. You've moved countries, first time in Canada. How does that link to your long-term goals? Whoa. Well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Threw a bit of it. No, it's okay. Because <laughs> I think I need to start thinking about it. A bit of a full-on question for a Monday morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, so right now, one of my biggest plans is to uh, do a major in Latin American studies. Mm -hmm. I know it's kind of funny because I was in Latin America and I moved to study Latin American studies, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, you know, try to do like a fusion between Latin America and Canada, like the kind of scope that I have uh, and bring the museum to Canada. <clears throat> oh, wow. To the kind of a collaboration between the university I'm studying with and the museum. And uh, so like, I'm okay. Like a cross cultural sort of yeah. educational platform. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, you know, I'm going back on summer and um, with the museum, we're also starting to uh, see what kind of new workshops we can do. Uh, but in this, like this time we want to do workshops outside of the capital, like the city. Mm -hmm. Um but also try to understand what in other sectors of El Salvador want to learn. Like, how can we help for, you know, kind of like organizations and structures uh, of youth around El Salvador, what, what they, what we can offer them, uh, yeah. what do they need? Yeah. No, that sounds excellent. I mean, it sounds exciting. I, I've only been to, um, uh, well, I've only been to South America very briefly, but I think Central America and El Salvador is definitely on my list. I'll be coming to visit you at the museum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. I'd yeah, love you to can come. learn a bit more about the history and, and the important work that you're doing there. Oh, thank you, George. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks very much, Val. It's been excellent chatting to you today. If you'd like to know more about Global Changemakers and our mission of enabling youth to create a positive impact in their communities, you can visit our website at global-changemakers.net or follow us on social media at WeAreGCM. And if you'd like to support us further, go check out our Patreon page at Global Changemakers and help us have a greater impact. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Young Changemakers. See you next Tuesday.